We are going to energize the country. Stop Brexit. No more Mr. Nice Guy. Another future is possible, but we've got to fight for it. Order! Hello and welcome to the Debated Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Will, and I'm joined by my co-host, Conrad. Hello. And in this episode, uh, we are delighted to be joined by Chris Newton, uh, who is a uh, military historian and a uh, former uh, defence advisor to the Conservative Party. Welcome to the podcast. Um, Hello. Uh, Thanks for having me. Um, So uh, the first question uh, that I'd like to ask is, uh, obviously, with everything that's been happening with uh, the pandemic recently, um, defence hasn't been on the uh, top of uh, the political agenda as such. But, of course, it's still um, an important issue. Are there any particular issues uh, around defence that you think are happening at the moment that we should be um, discussing more or are pertinent to the the current uh, pandemic? Um, I think, I I mean... There are lots of um, kind of issues spanning from the pandemic because um, a lot of this is is interlinked. So, for example, this you know the, the whole reason why the uh, the disease, the um, coronavirus, has, has got out of control is really because um, obviously you had the wet markets in in China, and of course that got out of control and. And then China, you know, wasn't exactly 100% uh, transparent um, about what was happening, um, and so forth. So, so there is a major security issue here in terms of authoritarian powers um, allowing sort of um, you know uh, practices, uh, dodgy practices. Um, practices that we would like to um, stamp out, um, and and the, the the key issue here is you know how you know how do we persuade, coerce, deter um, authoritarian powers um, from not being as transparent as as we would like them to be, and so um, so there's there's that issue. Um, the uh, another issue spanning from it is is the fact that we are. Uh, you know, we we have in the past kind of had this belief that we could separate trade from um, geopolitics, and that we could trade with China and trade with authoritarian powers, and and we can kind of put them in different boxes and and issues concerning human rights and transparency and, and, and things like that. Um, that, that we can kind of separate themselves, uh, se- separate them out, and and we can trade as normal, and and therefore, um, and and the and and have a uh, the uh, have this kind of geopolitical uh, situation uh, tension um, with powers like China and and Russia uh, that we could essentially. Um, have those two running separately, and and the fact of the matter is, is that these are interlinked, um, uh, and allowing authoritarian states to act with impunity has got us to you know the situation where where we are um, at the moment, and there are other issues as well as the the role of the armed forces um, in in supporting the various agencies. 
um, during the course of this pandemic. Um, so the, the armed forces uh, the, um, constructed the Nightingale Hospital in, in London. Um, it's, it's been helping out with logistics. Um, it's, it's also doing, you know, other things such as um, working with our um, allies, um, you know, providing a, an aviation task force, um, and, 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 and having people on, on standby to help. Um, so, so this is so the armed forces have played has played an extremely important role during this um, uh, crisis, and and I think I mean I, I think we need to um, appreciate that more and and you know and to to understand you know the the, the role in which the armed forces are playing in 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 in, in this crisis. Now, you mentioned um, authoritarian governments like Russia and China and the threat they sort of pose to the UK. Um, one sort of way, major way in the, increasingly that these countries are acting is in cyber, in that they are using, um, you know, and cybersecurity is, is more and more sort of important. Um, do you think that the UK cybersecurity apparatus is, is sufficient as it is, or do you think that? This is something which needs sort of reform or change, improvement. I mean, it's it's been developing um, over the past few years, um, but uh, it, you know, it, it is a, an area in which we need to develop more because we, we're noticing that the threat from um, cyber attacks um, are increasing. Um, but but this you know this is something that the government is is you know very much aware of. It's you know developed um, the cyber strategy, um, and and it's and it is one of one of the areas um, of what's what's known as hybrid warfare, in which um, you know non in which you know states um, adversaries are using kind of non kinetic means of of of, of trying to disrupt. Um, you know elements of of um, our, our society and 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 and, and their enemies' society. Um, so I mean, I've, I've just been reading David Kilcullen's new book, um, The Dragons and, and the Snakes, and um, one of the things that he argues for, for the West in general is that we need to um, understand that um, these powers are. You know, engaging in in hybrid warfare effectively, and and we need to develop our own um, responses to that, and and to and to um, develop our own capabilities um, uh, in order to to deal with that much much more. So, um, so so yes, yeah, cyber is an absolutely um, important um, uh, element, um, and it's not. And one of the things I would say is that it's not. It's you know, a lot of people are, are kind of framing this as we should focus on, you know, cyber and, and information warfare and psychological warfare and, and, and so forth. Um, and, um, that's the area in which we should focus on in, instead of, um, you know, developing conventional capabilities, um, conventional warfare or, or kinetic warfare is, is a receding um, con- concern. And, and my argument is that both, both are important because, yes, um, th- th- our, our adversaries are measuring on the, on the cyber front and on the hybrid front, but, but they're also developing conventional um, capabilities as, as, um, as well um, in, in terms of heavy artillery, um, 
uh, missiles, um, anti-ship missiles in the case of China, um, um, and also Russia is very much interested in, in tactical nuclear war as well. So, so we need to be concerned about all of these things. Um, now, you mentioned earlier uh, uh, about global trade, uh, Britain obviously dealing with uh, regimes like uh, China and, and Russia, and the consensus for the last couple of decades has been uh, an attempt to welcome nations like uh, China and Russia into the um, uh, the economic community and to, and to uh, not be as adversarial to them. Do you think that it would be better to return to a, a more uh, adversarial or perhaps at least a more boundary time in relation uh, to, to regimes like, like China and Russia? Um, I mean, it, it, I think it would be um, a good thing if we, if we truly understood um, what, what we're dealing with uh, as opposed to um, you know, dealing with the threat we, that we actually face as opposed to you know, hoping for the best, which is what I think um, our approach has been um, for, for the past uh, 10 to, to 20 years. And, and, it's not, and it's not necessarily been you know, absolutely hostile 100% of the time, um, but it is, it is a case of understanding that um, th- these powers um, have, have their, their interests, they have different ideologies to us, um, um, and, and, and there is an ideological dimension to this um, uh, competition that, that's going on. Um, and, and, and again, we, we kind of, and scholars have tended to, to downplay the ideological element. Um, so, so and, and there is uh, um, an aspect of democracy against authoritarianism here. And, and, and also different ways of, of there, there are different understandings of how the world should be structured as well. So, for example, Russia believes in spheres of, of influence and that they believe that they're entitled to, um, to, con- to effectively influence the, um, orthodox uh, Christian world. Um, um, whereas, whereas we, of course, um, believe in, in self-determination and then therefore there are, Competing interests, but but also competing values, and indeed, um, what what Tony uh, Blair said about you know there is an ideological component of of, um, of interests. Um, Blair got a lot of things wrong, but but I think on that on that aspect um, he he was right on that, and I think we we need to be aware of that and 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 and, and be aware that. The um, Russia and China, in particular, they have a broader conception of what war is, right? So, so we have a very narrow conception of what war is, which which centres on the the use of of violent physical force um, to to pursue um, our, our objectives. Um, whereas, um, if you look at, for example, a paper that was written by um, in in China in in, in 1999. Um, they, they had a conception of, of war, which is not just the use of force, but, but the use of military and non-military means to compel the enemy to do, to do their will. Um, and, and we should be wary and we should be um, 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 aware of, of, of that. And, 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 and therefore, 
you know, we, we, we need to be on, on guard for that. And, and therefore, it, obviously, we don't, you know, we, we don't want to trigger the security dilemma. We don't want to, to, to necessarily, you know, you know, provoke a war or anything, but, but we should, we, we should take a harder stance than we are and, and understand that, you know, they, you know, that they have their interests, they have their values and they're seeking to under, undermine our interests and, and, and our values. Now, um, so this different authoritarian regimes and sort of understanding they're sort of got their own interests. Um, now, one authoritarian regime that's been in the news recently is Saudi Arabia. They oh. is attempt currently going through a, a takeover of Newcastle United by the Saudi Arabian um, pro, um, Public Investment Fund. As a Newcastle fan, I may be biased on this, <laughs> but um, the. Um, what do you think about Britain's relationship with Saudi Arabia and in terms of security? And do you think we are too close or do you think there's, there's, um, there's a lot of benefit in that relationship? I mean, th- this is extremely difficult and, and it's, um, you know, and, and foreign policy is not, not easy. Um, and I, you know, there, there has been a strategic um, benefits of, of being allies with, with Saudi Arabia in, in the sense of, in terms of terrorism, um, that they're, they're also, you know, concerned about the Iranian threat as well. Um, and, and also it, it would not, um, serve our security by having in, instability in, in, in that region, um, in that area, with, um, in, 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 in that country. Um, but on the on the other side, um, seeking to put this politely, there, there are aspects that we need to reconcile in terms of their human rights abuses, um, and, uh, and 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 also, you know, be mindful of of, of the fact of of their ideological um, uh, concerns and and export of of, of various of of, of um, Wahhabi ideology as well. Um, so, so again, I think, I think it is something that, I mean, we, we've got a, we've got a defense review or a security review at, at the moment, which, you know, obviously, you know, this, this pandemic, um, is, um, you know, is, is going to disrupt our, our thinking towards authoritarianism is, is something that needs to be very, you know, it has to be considered very carefully in the light of, of, of this crisis. And, and also, you know, you've got, you know, historically, you know, you have examples like Chernobyl and, and, and so forth. Um, um, and, and, and I, and I don't profess to have a, you know, complete answer at the moment. I'm, I'm thinking about these, these issues as well. And Saudi Arabia has always troubled kind of my, my mind in terms of, you know, balancing these different, um, costs and, um, and benefits. But, um, but I think, you know, I, th- I think you know our, our relationships and in, in our approach and our thinking towards that, um, you know, has to has to be reviewed and and we have to look at, you know, how how do we persuade? You know, can can the Saudi can the Saudis can regimes like Saudi Saudi Arabia be um, persuaded um, as as well as um, you know, coercion and, and, and deterrence, you know, for, you know, for, for, for other regimes as, as, as well. So, uh, 
you know, and which elements of statecraft as well is most appropriate. And, and for some regimes, some instruments of statecraft are going to be re- relevant more, more than others. So, so, you know, some we can apply more diplomatic means, others we, we may have to employ more, more coercive means. But, um, no, that's a, that's a good question. And, and it's that has troubled, um, British policymakers. You know, for a long time. One issue that will definitely make a big difference on sort of the security of the world is the result of the presidential elections coming up later in the year. Um, now, um, Joe Biden has said that he thinks NATO will not exist if Trump gets re-elected. What is your view on the direction which Trump or and slash or Biden will take sort of NATO and security in general? Um, I mean, this is, I mean, this is uh, an interesting one because both presidents and, um, you know, uh, b- previous uh, British prime ministers have, have always been frustrated at various European and NATO partners at, uh, at the fact that, um, the Europeans haven't really been, you know, spending as much as we'd like, um, on defense and meeting, um, the the two percent uh, um, aspirate of GDP aspiration on defence, um, and for for years, um, presidents, you know, uh, um, NATO secretary generals have, have been saying, well, you know, can you please, you know, um, spend a bit more, um, and the response from European powers, uh, from European nations, has been largely. Business as usual. We're going to carry on as, as usual. Um, Trump comes along and and you know you know makes some you know indications that um, you know he might not be as supportive um, if um, this situation carries on with certain European par- partners and and there have there have been some degree of, of increase in, in spending and you know the, the, the recent um, summits. Um, um, that, together with the, the, the threat from from Russia, you know, it seems to have made made you know seems to at the very least woken some you know some of the countries countries up. Um, of course, there's a big risk in Trump, you know, doing this because you know if he gives the indication that he's not going to honour Article Five, um, then then of course that sends a message to to Russia. That 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 the Americans might not um, come to their their aid in in, in the case of a Russian attack. Um, but what what else do you do? I mean, every everything has been tried, and um, um, I can understand why Trump has tried the approach that that he did. But but it's extremely risky. Um, but but. Um, I, you know, maybe a, di- a different approach was was in order, was 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 needed. Um, I think, I mean, I think, you know, what you said about Biden. I think the, I mean, I think, I think Trump. I think sometimes what Trump does, I think he over, you know, exaggerates, you know, what 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 he says and what, what you know, what he does are, are two are sometimes you know different. Um, I, I mean, I don't think, yeah, I mean, the relationship between America and European countries 
you know, has been, uh, you know, ha, you know, has been strained. Um, but, but I think when push comes to, comes to shove, I think Trump does understand, you know, the importance of of the alliance um, and and the various mechanisms within it. Um, but he's looking for a way in which it could, you know, you know, in which you know things could be fairer, and I think that's that is reasonable, um, especially when America's, good, you know, has, you know, China to, to worry about as well. Um, so Trump's approach has been risky. Um, you know, I, I I'm uneasy about it, but you know. W- w- what other ways are there to to get Europeans to spend more on defence? You know, um, we've we've tried, you know, all options. Um, now, one of the things uh, that I know that you've um, particularly uh, written about has been um, uh, the First World War, and of course, mm-hmm. uh, recently uh, we've had uh, the centenary, uh, not just of the start of the war, but of uh, the end of the war. Do you think that? The uh, military and uh, defence lessons, a hundred years on, uh, from the First World War, have been properly uh, learned by governments, and that we can reflect on this period uh, without biases about the way that it was um, conducted and the the reasons that it occurred. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the the, the governments uh, had this big. Uh, Commemorative um, program, um, uh, you know, in which it commemorated certain battles. Um, and at the start of the centenary, the you know the criticism that historians had was that um, we, we 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 kind of and, and the way in which the battles were, were being remembered was that we we're kind of remembering all of the all of the. Kind of defeats all, all of the all, you know, um, all of the, the battles where you know th- things you know we we were struggling and and, and so forth, um, but the, there wasn't really anything about um, the end of the war and and the way in which we conducted the war toward, towards its end and and you know um, in particular commemorating. You know, battles such as the Battle of Amiens, um, which which was in August 1918, which which kickstart the, the the Hundred Days campaign, which which led to Germany's uh, uh, surrender. So so at the start, I think we were still looking at the First World War through the prism of popular culture, um, which was which was to which was to highlight. And and yeah, I mean there there are criticisms to be made of how the war war was conducted, um, and and to and to you know to emphasise the the losses which of course were were huge, um, but what historians wanted to see was much more acknowledgement that the First World War represented a a a challenge, a, 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 an immense unprecedented challenge. You know, we were facing mass industrial, uh, trench warfare. Um, and that, um, the, and that, the, you know, we're not going to learn the less, you know, how to fight this, this new kind of warfare overnight. And therefore, you know, we had, we did have to make mistakes, unfortunately. And, and, um, but, but, 
we we had to undergo a learning curve in, in, in that or a learning process, as I prefer to to to, to call it, and, and other historians as well. Um, I, and 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 therefore, you know, we need. I believe that there should have been a, a lot more record you know, recognition of that. Now, to be fair on the government, they, they did do something for Amion in the, or at least there was some kind of commemorative, um, um, event for, for Amion. I, I don't know whether it was still on the official program or not, but, but there, there was a significant marking of the Battle of Amion. So, so, so from that respect, I think the government did in the end, um, listen to us and and that that part of the of the first world war debate um has um has you know was was reflected but but there's still there's still um you know there's still much to communicate about uh, you know about those about that the the academic scholarship of the war which which tends to reflect this this learning process um paradigm perspective of of, of the war um, and and you know it's, we still need to communicate that for for popular culture because still a lot of TV programs still have has the old way of looking at the war. Um, you know it's still based their their programming on the, the old way of of looking at the war. Um, so 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 from that perspective, um, you know what what. You know what I, I would like to see is is that kind of greater understanding of of the challenges that that the generals faced, and that you know they weren't all stupid. You know they, 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 they weren't they weren't all kind of of, of, of butchers and bunglers. Um, they, they were trying to learn, and yes, they were made mistakes, and yes, there were good generals, and there once you know there was weren't so good generals as well. But um, but but but. The, the fact of the matter was, was that, you know, is that this was a very difficult challenge that needed to be, um, overcome. Um, and, and the, and the British and the Allies <clears throat> ultimately did it. They ultimately, you know, de- developed their tactics, um, constantly learn. And that's, that's the key kind of lesson for today, really, is, is, you know, is being mindful of, of the need for, for constant adaptation and the Germans constantly adapted during the course of the war as well. And this, there was this, this co-evolution process going, or revolution process going, um, going on between the, between the two sides. Um, um, so, 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 so recognizing the challenges and, and, being willing to to adapt and and changing to 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 circumstances and being flexible, being you know, wars evolve, wars change. Um, during the course of a war, you've, you're facing with different circumstances. You you need to be fle- flexible and adaptable in order to deal with that. Um, so so that is what I would say is is the key lesson. It was one of the key lessons that, that we should be mindful of. Um, we're coming to the end of the podcast. It's been uh, great speaking to you, Chris. It's been a very uh, interesting discussion. And I'd like to ask you uh, one final question. We've talked about um, the pandemic somewhat uh, during the podcast. Uh, so my final question to you is when this is all uh, resolved, uh, what one thing that you can't do now uh, are you looking forward 
to doing when uh, when we're allowed to to go out and mingle as uh, as we did before. I see. I've, I've got a number, and you've asked for one. I've got a number of things in mind. Um, I'm I'm, I'm going to stick with this one. Um, you know, just just being able to to travel and explore the the country and explore, you know, um, even the UK. You know, not necessarily go, go abroad. Um, I, I miss doing that. You know, miss you know just heading somewhere and and you know going somewhere. Um, uh, so so yeah, I'm 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 just looking forward just just to be able to to travel and to. You know, and to walk around, you know, you know, and being able to sit on a park bench again. Um, but, uh, no, no, but, 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 um, but, but, but really just, uh, we, we're kind of taking it for granted, you know, this, this, you know, this ability to, you know, to travel and to, and to take in what we see and to, you know, and to really explore this great country of ours. Um, and, you know, we, we, I mean, now I'm, you know, now I'm definitely not going to take it for granted. I'm going to savor every minute of, of being able to do that when, when we do get out of this madness. Uh, I think it's a great response and uh, one that I certainly agree with. And I think uh, a lot of our listeners will as well. Thank you once again for coming on the podcast. Okay. No, uh, thanks. Thank again. Once again, thanks very much for having me. It's, um, no, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you. Not a problem. Uh, if you've enjoyed this uh, episode, you can uh, subscribe to us on Spotify, iTunes, uh, Podbean, and YouTube. If you'd like to follow us on Twitter, you can do at Debated Podcast. Uh, you can like us on Facebook at Debated Podcast. And if you'd like to email us about this podcast or uh, any others that you've heard, you can do at the Debated Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. I hope you listen to the next one. <laughs>